such a strange journey for me. I feel as though I'm so different than the girl I was at the beginning of this long, long journey. And I know that with only two families down, we have so much longer to go. The Bagstocks are our next target. They're somewhere here, in the Capella Planetary System, hiding. Or perhaps not hiding? Because I feel that they're somewhere close. We're headed to a new planet. Alex says it's called Slarion. We're heading to a space colony there. You see, unlike the Auxiliary System, the Capella Planetary System tends to have space colonies rather than cities, or other normal forms of human living. From what I've heard, not only was Capella settled first, but most of their planets and moons don't have functional atmospheres. Alongside that, building a functional one takes time as well as quite a bit of money. Only a few have that much money, apparently. This means that people from the Auxiliary System stand out like a sore thumb. I was made very aware of that after our visit with Winston. Which, by the way, we've started sending letters back and forth. I've always wanted a pen pal, and that device Nova gave me is just exceptional. It's an absolute delight, really. Rather witty fellow. Charming, too, in his own dorky sort of way. Oh, but... Slarion. Right. So, apparently there are different functions for different systems. According to Clint, not every system is built to host everyday people. Some are there for medicine, technological advancement, or even scripture, used to enhance religious purposes. It's nothing like back home. I mean, if you could make the fair and make a decent wage once you got to where you were going, you could live anywhere you wanted in the auxiliary. Well, except for under the ocean waves in Cecilia. Regardless, Slarion has one of the largest systems in the Capella. Pegasus, I believe is what it's called. Loads of people live there, but it's not just a human populace, Clint warned us. Once there, we're expected to see a variety of humanoid species we've never encountered before. Lonnie looked a tad offended at that bit, but she nodded and expressed that there were countless planets with intelligent life. Auxiliary just wasn't fortunate enough to have more than one humanoid species inhabit it. I have to wonder what kind of people we'll meet. I mean, human or not, they all have thoughts and feelings, right? To me, I'm sure anyone from any planet would make a good friend. But Alex sort of shut me down on that too. Slarion has great places to live, no matter what walk of life, but where we'll be headed is the slums of Pegasus. Clint has some informants there he believes we need to reach out to. The Bagstocks could very well be in the upper end of the system, but we won't know that for sure unless we communicate with these... informants. I have a feeling there's something different about them. Clint usually just communicates with his... people through means of our devices on the ship, or on the cities on the way to our regular destinations. But he won't even reach out or call this lot. We don't know for sure if the Bagstocks are hiding in the system or not. So I'm... Audio Diary. To say the least, I'm a little nervous of meeting these people. And we'll be arriving very shortly, so I... Uh, oh. I think we're already pulling into port now. Well, wish me luck, Audio Diary.
those slimy creatures. You'll never believe this tale when I tell you. The crew and I arrived to the Pegasus space system with ease and boarded into the city. It's a huge place, Audio Diary, bigger than any city I've ever seen back at home. I couldn't believe it when I walked in. You see, I thought it'd be like a larger version of Winston's home, with winding hallways and rooms. But this... The halls were so large that crowds of people could sift through, and the ceiling was completely made of glass, showing a projection of the stars outside. There weren't buildings, or at least not in the traditional sense. Along each wall, rectangles and squares of various heights and sizes would just jut out and create formation of a building. A white, plastic building. We'd walk down the hall, some people on bikes and other strange hovering devices above us. It was so different. I've never been to a place like it. The crowds themselves were even a shock. While I'd been used to sizable groups of people shuttling about from here to there, I'd never seen so many different groups of people. Some were human, but others were clearly far from it. Some of them had four legs, some of them had six eyes, and when some smiled at you, you could see large rows of mismatched teeth. Some sharp, some not. Oh, but they were all so very beautiful. Audio Diary, every last person I saw in those crowds. Pegasus is nothing like any city I've ever seen before. It's loud. It's breathing is not mere gasps or silent puffs, but almost loud screams into the universe. Its existence is not one at ease. It's always moving. It's always growing. As we walked, I had to wonder if my mothers had ever been here. If they too had fallen in love with Pegasus or colonies like it. As I pondered on the lives of my mothers, we turned down a darker avenue. This one had less people and the faces seemed a little less cheery. Any smile seemed to be a trick or an illusion. Like, if we wanted something, a hefty price would be needed in return. And then, Clint turned to an opening with a curtain covering its entrance. He shouted something in a different language, and it was not only a surprise because he knew different tongues, but more because he was actually shouting. A long silence followed, and then there was an odd response, an alien voice in the same language. Clint turned to us and nodded. We can go in now, he said. Captain Alex was more weary as they turned to the rest of our crew. Keep your wits about you. They clearly didn't trust this group. The inside was large, larger than what I would have perceived from its opening. And there was a bar and three humanoids sat there. They were all from the same species, you could tell. They had long snouts and large glittering blue eyes with no pupils. They had this smooth, orange and white striped skin and they wore these strange tunics with odd symbols on it it was purple with a white pegasus but there was an arrow going through the creature's chest already i felt uneasy just from that depiction they cheered at clint as he walked in the two at the bar even got up to hug him and the one behind the bar got a round of drinks ready it wasn't regular liquor from what i noticed he shook a purple bottle and a lavender liquid came out into the small glasses. A gift from us to you, 
said the first ones as he passed around the drinks. None of us drank, well, except Ernest. And now he's loopier than a dog on a hunting day. But that might be because we kept handing him our drinks so we wouldn't need to consume them. Audio diary, the creatures really only spoke to Clint, but they kept looking behind him at the rest of the crew. Specifically at Ernest and Edgar. That was my first clue. But I didn't say anything. I assumed Clint and Alex had everything under control. Words were exchanged, but I'm not sure what was being said. They spoke in the creature's native tongue for the most part. Alex finally asked what the devil was going on. Clint's hand was at his waist, but I saw him signal for us to move towards the door. We began to back up, but these gigantic people blocked us. They looked like the ones in the bar, but much larger. They had literally blocked the entire exit. Sorry, Clint, one said in this high-pitched voice. But the backstocks will pay us double for two Cardwell boys. You don't even have enough to cover your tab. Clint shot one of them right in the chest, but it did nothing. The bullet hole just sealed back up, and then, and then the larger one snatched Alex and Edgar and we were stuck. Ernest passed out, Hattie and Lonnie were on the defensive with Clint and I, but with these baffling creatures holding our dear friends, we had no choice but to go with them. They had the strength to kill them right then and there. So now, we're in this jail cell. But this is exactly where we want to be. When we got here... Alex had this satisfied grin on their face. Mum and Dad are going to pick us up, did you hear that? They said. Apparently this was all part of their insane plan Clint and they had cooked up. They knew these informants were untrustworthy. They knew the Bagstocks would want to take us alive. It's just their style. So they knew that we'd be able to get to the Bagstocks faster if we just waited. If we just got ourselves caught. And so now, Audio Diary, we wait. We wait for the Bagstocks to arrive, and we wait to put an end to them. Oh, and don't worry. They may have taken some of our weapons, but we're too clever for them. I have another ray gun hidden on my body, and mostly everyone, well, except Ernest, has a weapon to use. It's going to be a battle here in the Pegasus Colony on Solarium. Blood will be shed, or so I think. And when this is done, we'll have a third family down. Honestly, I wish we could have just spent the day exploring, but... You know, I have something on my bucket list now, Audio Diary. I think I'm going to come back to Pegasus one day. When this is all over. After this happens, there's no way we'll be able to stay in Sightsee. So I'll have to come back. I have plans, Audio Diary. Plans that won't be completed tomorrow or in a week. Plans that will take time. Plans that will require me to live another year. Another two years. And I'm excited to live. To see that through. Oh, it looks like Clint wants to go over a strategy. Well, that's a first. Thanks, Clint. So for now... This episode of Bosch and Brave was written and produced by Ashley Glenn, voiced by Clover Grayson, and brought to you by Blackmore Productions. Like what we do here? Follow us on YouTube, iTunes, or at our website at blackmoreproductions.com. You can also find us on social media like Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, or Facebook. Blackmore Productions. Something else the current.